I'm going to tell you a few stories. All you have to do is listen. Welcome to another movie podcast. My name is Oscar, and with me today is... Ralph. And only Ralph. Right. It's like, at first we had Luke, then we had... Then we, we, we switched in for a pinch hitter, Matt. Now we're just us two. It's like that, uh, you know, and then there were none, right? Um, poem or song. What is it? Poem? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then there were none? You never heard it? Yeah, no, no, there was. Okay. Uh, anyway, so this is episode number 122. And what this episode, this episode is a little special because it does, uh, it does a few things. One, it's our last uh, top 10 show for the for the year at least uh discussing 2020 and it also marks the beginning of our little vacation that we're going to take about a month long we're going to come back in march um specifically when in march i do not know but it will be early march the first week if not the second week the latest and that is to just like um you know just enjoy some time off from pressures of watching movies and making sure that we get everything you know whatever uh so it's our vacation period uh as we as we say goodbye to 2020, you know, good riddance, right? Um, so it marks, this show marks all of that stuff. And not to mention, when we come back, if there is an Oscars, if there's an Academy Awards, right? Because we usually talk about that every year. Yeah. Um, we will probably open up by discussing that. And you can, it's safe to assume, it's safe to, uh, yeah, safe to assume that um, a portion of the first episode when we come back will be, devoted to that if there is an uh, there is a ceremony and a winner and all that. Um, not to mention, we might have a pretty hefty recent discoveries, right? Because it'll be like, <laughs> we're racking up like a month, two months worth of recent discoveries, assuming we've watched movies. In and theory, yes, yes. Right, so two weeks, two months. Uh, exactly. So, and it'll be nice. It'll just be a conversation. It won't be like a whole thing about, we'll see how it goes. I haven't decided exactly what we're going to do. But anyway, you can find this show, of course, and all of our other shows over at otherpodcast.com. Over there, you'll find updated new pages, version, you know, that leads you into these top 10 shows, for example, which are all marked in um, in the sections, in the subsections. So, like, the TVs are in one page, movies are another. I used to put everything in one page, but that was very slapdashery and not very good. This is much more cleaner. If you know what you're looking for, you can find it easier over at otherpodcast.com. Okay. Furthermore, um... On there, we have our marathons. We have this big, huge marathon we just started, and of course, we're taking a break from continuing it. But when we come back, we're going to come back strong with the marathons um, and continue that forward. And it's an interesting one, so check it out on our page. Uh, again, otherpodcast.com. So, um, we're not going to have a, you know, what we've been up to kind of thing, you know, like we usually do, um, as we've been saying with the last two countdowns. And this one will be a shorter show, not just because it's just Roth and myself, which yeah. makes it shorter. That's an entire top ten that we're not including, right? But it's also because uh, there's very little frills to this. Yeah, it really is. This is more just like a uh, personal thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very personal. I, I kind of very personal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much so. And um, I mean, Rafi is kind of famous for making me his an extra touch of personal, if anything. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see what we have, what he has this year. Um, but furthermore than that, it doesn't have any missed opportunities because the world is a missed opportunity until we experience it. Um, not to mention, uh, and, and too much to name, um, not to mention that there's no disappointments either, because we're not going to talk about some random movie we saw that isn't from last year that we didn't, you know, we're just going to talk honorable mentions in the top 10. 
then I don't know just, but yeah. Um, and that's really it. Now, Ralph, I usually put you in a spotlight for this. What is discoveries? What are discoveries? What do we What do we mean by this? Oh, man. Uh, not really on the I think you make it this every time. But um, this is uh, discoveries. This things that we discovered in the year of 2020 that um, if you think a TV show, a movie, a video game, a poem, mm-hmm. um, a poem even a poem if you want to, um, that, that didn't come out in 2020. Um, or else it would be in a, a 2020 list, right? Uh, a different 2020 list, like a, of 2020. Right. Uh, and uh, so that being said, you kind of miss out on, it's stuff that we kind of missed out on, like, you know, maybe we, you saw Seinfeld for the first time and you're like, damn, it's a great show. Or something like that along the lines. Right. You think is right. um, it, it, it could also be some kind of experience. Maybe uh, I don't know. Something random. Like, um, maybe you went to your first uh, donkey show or something, you know, and you really think that's a discovery for you. Um, <laughs> I know that's crazy. Yeah, and you have the balls to put it on a list, say. And you have the balls to put it on a list. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. another one. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I would. And even if I did, I, I still would. I'm pretty crass, but I wouldn't do that. Yeah, neither would I. That being said, yeah, I am normally known to be more personal, but this year I don't have that many because I didn't think it's too much. It's so like, ah, man, like uh, first, first pandemic, right? Yeah, first pandemic. pandemic. I mean, I guess I could put that right. It's my first pandemic. Um, yeah, that's my overall one, right? Right. That's the uh, the lingering discovery. Uh, pandemic sucks. There you go. There's, there it is. And then, um, but besides that, really, I don't have that many personal things. I do have personal things in the discoveries that I have. Which uh, well, I'll talk about that, but for the most part, nothing crazy personal like I normally do, which is a little sad. But I do plan to remedy that in twenty twenty one. He's got plans to live life better, folks, in twenty twenty one. That's what he's saying. Yeah. That's an endorsement. That's a promise. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a like a senator or something. I got to very reelect it. You know, I'll rephrase for you then. You're gonna like the way you hear. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so perfect. Perfect. What, what, I said thank you, Mr. President, from the All State commercials from the show 24. Yes, that's right. <laughs> if anyone does. That's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dennis Haysbert. I Sure, yeah. I You could have said any other name, and I would have been like, yeah. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah. Just played the yeah game on that one. Huh? Uh-huh. Um, all right. Fair warning. This is going to be weirder than usual. Objects of power can cause or be results of AWE's altered world events, intrusions upon the perceived reality. A side note. Now, the service weapon is, of course, a prime example of an OOP, a very powerful one. Ingrained in the Bureau's DNA, a key component in our prime candidate program. Come out of that Russian roulette a winner and you, (laughs) you're it. Lose and you're, well, fired. Thank you. I'm Dr. Darling, head of research, Federal Bureau of Control. Without further ado, I want to start with the top ten this time, because I believe I haven't started any of them, so it makes sense that I do for one of them. So, my number ten is one that highlights uh, some of the others in the list. And you're going to see why. So number 10 is there, kind of honorary, but also like, uh, you know, very apt place setting for it. Like number 10. My number 10 is uh, the Nintendo Switch. I'm talking about the device, the, the game console. Uh, Nintendo Switch. Um, it's new for me. Bought it early in the year. 
played the ever-loving shit out of it <laughs> with minigames. And let me tell you a story. Because, uh, you know, I've, I grew up with a lot of handheld games, from Game Boy to Game Boy Advance. That's right, I had that too. And, um, and I never had Game Gear, but I saw the Surf Ninjas use it. So, you know, there's that. Um, a lot of, anyway, but I've always loved it. I, I mean, I even got the PS Vita when it was hot. And obviously I still have it. And yes, it's hacked to death and you can watch a lot of crazy things on it. And I rarely use it because it's just so commonplace in my background of life, right? But otherwise, a Nintendo Switch was like a almost impulse, but I also kind of really wanted a good handheld device. In this case, I bought the, not the Lite, the original Nintendo Switch. Yeah. I got a feeling it's like one of the fast handheld devices because it can't do fast both for so yeah. Right, exactly, right. It, and you know what it does also? I mean, on top of the fact that you can very easily with like in a minute, under a minute, you can do this. Under a minute, you can play, you can be playing a game on your couch, handheld style, or like in the car, let's say, if you're being driven somewhere, like Uber, boom. And then you can literally go into the TV room, right? plug that in immediately, turn on the TV, and you're playing it on full screen. And that's crazy. And that's pretty cool. And it's pretty, like, self-sufficient to get there. It's not hard to get there. All you got to do is have the TV on on the right channel. That's it. Um, and it's surprisingly, like, very versatile to a lot of, like, it's, it's made so well. I really like the design and all that stuff. But besides all that, though, what I really came across that I really liked about it is it got me into games that I wouldn't really be playing. Because there are some games that I think are best bought or best played as a handheld game. I think I get the most experience. I wouldn't. Right. Uh, these are usually like platformers, maybe, or like 2D. I'm not very familiar with game stuff, guys, so I may just say stupid things right now. But I'm talking, you know, from Contra type games to like Paper Mario, which is another side scrolling game. Side scrolling, that's the word. Um, and there are others too. There are other, a lot of independent games that I went into. Uh, for example, a big one in 2020 was Hades, which which cannot be included in the in the in the list this year because it came out in 2020, so that's against the rules. Right. But I mentioned that I played on, on the Switch, and that was so worth it. And not to mention, obviously, Nintendo being um, Nintendo, and they have their own games as exclusive to them. So I had access to all that, like Mario Kart, Mario Party, Smash Brothers, all super awesome to play both versions in big screen and small. And I just had so much fun with this damn device. It is a lot of fun. The my biggest dip in not playing it is actually this month and portions of last month. But I think it's really the holidays and all the business I've been into. But besides that, I've really played it all time. So a lot of fun. So Nintendo Switch, my number 10, and it will highlight some other picks down the road here. Uh, Roth, what is your number 10? Nice, nice. Um, kind of staying in the video game genre. Um, for, you know, That's a good pick, by the way. Like, I wish I could have said the same thing. I didn't own Nintendo Switch until this year, but technically mm-hmm. I played it before. Even though I never actually played a game on it, uh, I <laughs> justified it on the list. It would have been a good one. But I did regardless. My number 10 is a video game called PC Building Simulator. And um, it's stupid because it is exactly what it sounds like. Um, you build PCs in a simulator. That's <laughs> And the game came out in 2019. And I made fun of uh, what's called a co-host or whatever he wants to be, apparently, uh, of the show Luke. Um, what's it called? Uh, when he got the game. And I was like, like, he literally got it day one. And he was like, oh my god, is it PC Building Simulator? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, like, it's like playing farming simulator or inventory simulator or whatever bullshit like that, you know? Right, why don't you go out and do the job for real and get some money? So, I mean, he does do that. Not for money, but he does it, you know, for his friends and stuff. Right. And, uh, it's, I, 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 I play this game 35 hours, according to Steam. Um, 
And I know this is a lot, but it is a lot. And it's just 30 building PCs. And you run a PC building shop or a workshop. And that's all you do. You get jobs, you do things, it's little things here and there. And it actually helps you. And it actually kind of like showed me that I, I do like to do things like that. Um, even in real life, like I, uh, uh, it's called, uh, to do stuff like that with, uh, like my PC, being able to clean up my PC and stuff like that. I wish I could have added that I built a PC this year for the first, you know, time. Um, but I've already done that before, so whatever, so it doesn't count. Uh, so I can't use that as an excuse either, like in my list later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a cool game. They have a bunch of DLC for like, you know, like different add-on packs that are like exist in the real world. Uh, different actual brands and stuff like that. that you can use. Uh, but it's kind of cool to like also show you, like, let's say you're somebody who plays on PC or whatever, and you ever want to build one. If this game isn't that expensive to be put on a system. There it is. And um, the, uh, what's cool about it is that it's just like, it's just a good time password. Like, it's just. That's all it is. It's like it's a path of time. It's twenty bucks, and it's I'll, I mean I wouldn't pay full price for it. And I did it. I bought it like I think at ten bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just totally like this kind of cool thing to do to pass the time to do something that I would probably do in real life to fix the PCs and kind of know what to do and know that you can be forgetful. So like it tells you like if you're technically not done building this PC, you still have a lot to do. And you're like, oh shit, I forgot to have to connect everything. I forgot how to do this, you know. And it gives like that, like just. I don't know. It's like, uh, like this cool, like doing nothing mode. I listened to podcasts while I played this game. I just did my own thing. I played, uh, you know, I was, uh, I played music in the background or whatever. I kind of just passed the time and did it. It was a cool, like, I'm going to play this for a couple, you know, an hour or two and just not, not focus on anything. Just clear my mind kind of thing, um, which I haven't had that much time. I used to do that a lot when I used to stock at the stores. It's just like that meaningless job, you know, like that's like something really important to do. Right. Kind of go through the motions. And they felt the same way where I'm just got to go into the motions, but at the same time, it's more like I'm, uh, I'm just so focused on what I'm doing here that it's kind of like it's this like set mode. I do mean, I never had to worry about anything. And it was like a really cool game to play. And I also, I actually been to go back to it, which I will soon. But uh, yeah, PC's building simulator. Go figure. I don't know why this, this made my list. And I mean, Good that it made my list, but at the same time, it's like this weird little thing that I never thought I would like. But I do. Go figure. All right, that's really cool. So, um, and where is it available? Like, what many platforms is it? Uh, I got it on Steam. I'm sure it's uh, available on anything else. A PC game on PC? Yeah, I think that's weird. All right, so that's number ten. My number. By the way, I forgot to say this earlier. Uh, games. Because of the switch, obviously, probably took a lot of highlights this year. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Usually for me, games are usually not that much of a big deal for me, but this year I gained the. F- I mean, twenty twenty, I gained the fuck a lot of times. So, my number. That being said, I have a, a movies. So, <laughs> so I said, my number nine is a trilogy of movies, and I mentioned them before in the show in one of our uh, recent discoveries, and I believe that it was mentioned twice. I don't remember why twice, but I remember talking about it multiple times. It is a trilogy called Hell House. I don't know if you remember, Ruff. I do remember you, yeah, talking about mm-hmm. that. Uh, the original title of the first one is called Hell House, two words. I keep thinking it's one word, but it's not. It's two words. Hell House, LLC. And I might be description for the first movie, and I'm not going to, like, super... I'm not going to go into the other ones yet. Or, I mean, not like this, anyway. So... Um, 
five years after an unexplained malfunction causes the death of 15 tour corps and staff on the opening night of a Halloween haunted house tour, a documentary crew travels back to the scene of the tragedy to find out what really happened. And this is, um, the, the, the trilogy started in 2015 and it finally ended in 2019. Um, or maybe 2018, but 2019, I think. And it's all available on Shutter. Shutter.com, I have a subscription with them, and it's well worth it for this one. Um, this is a trilogy of movies that was um, uh, written and directed by a man named Stephen Cognetti, which sounds like a fake name, but uh, that's his real name. Um, and it's all found footage, and it's done really well. And it is, you know, traditional found footage, but it's traditional found footage done with a purpose. There's some design in it, and the best thing about these kind of freaky... Um, supernatural horror, you know, the kind of horror suspense stuff, like what's behind them, what, you know, what doll is moving, that kind of horror. Um, it isn't gory, but it is horrifying and really does really good suspense uh, really well and mystery stuff too. But what uh, what this what this trilogy does really well that I just can't get over how cool it is, is that um, you can tell in a good way that the trilogy was well thought out before, like before the first one was made. And that's really uncommon when it comes to sequels and stuff because you never know if you're going to make a sequel so people just focus on making the first one. And usually the sequels come from whatever they succeeded in the first one. This one will start out from the, from the get-go and you can feel it and you can tell for sure by the third movie, which of course I'm not going to ruin. Um, it just has this great pace for it and it has a patience for it and it lets you in on a lot of secrets along the way. And it gives you just enough questions to, like, wonder what's going to happen next. And then also not feel like you're being left out because it answers a few along the way as well. And it's a, a, a fun trilogy of movies. I saw it by myself early in the year uh, on a whim. And I ended up watching all three movies in one night. Crazy. And then on a whim, uh, Lexi, friend of the show, my girlfriend, wanted to see it as well. And I ended up watching all three movies with her in one night. So that should say a lot. So I saw this trilogy twice in one year. So um, that's why it's on my number nine. And it's a Hell House trilogy. Two words on Shudder. Check it out. Rob, your number nine. Nice. All right. My number nine is a podcast over here. Um, mm-hmm. Podcast are the ones that I do. Um, it is called This Land. It came out uh, a while ago. Um, I can't tell you one. But, uh, uh, you know, last year, May, and uh, this year, but uh, they, they had like bonus episodes. There's a big thing going on. I'm gonna read the quick description of it. Um, it's an, an 1839 assassination of Cherokee leader, a 1999 small town murder, two crimes collided in a Supreme Court case that will decide the fate of one man and nearly half of the land in Oklahoma. Hosted by Rebecca Nagel, Oklahoma journalist of the Citizen Cherokee Nation. Um, this land traces how a cut of dry homicide opened up an investigation into the treaty rights of five Native American tribes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and he says uh, you deserve uh, eight episodes to find out the unique case could result in the largest restoration of tribal land in U.S. history. Um, there were eight episodes, and they added two bonus points uh, because they actually got the results of everything that happened. Um, which is a cool podcast, man. I, I listened to it, and it was literally talking about how, kind of like uh, this murder, like they said, the, the description, um, comes up to this, uh, it's just like, it's all about 
where the murder happened and uh, how obviously it was a murder in the Cherokee Nation and it, I was called, I'm a Cherokee Nation member and how it happened who was going to get to basically uh, try the person who was the Cherokee Nation or was it the United States government uh, where what was considered the land whose land was it and then it became a big dispute of well technically because of the blood or wherever the body was found or that some cops moved it or something, something happened and there was told on the notes for the cops that it was supposedly here. The big, 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 big deal that became a big fight with like lawyers saying, well, technically um, it was over here and all this stuff happens where they end up getting into a dispute about who owns the land and what land is it and then now it's what land is, uh, what is considered Cherokee land? Is it the land the, on the top only or is it the land on the bottom? What is considered you know stuff like that. Oh, yeah, um, right. A lot of a lot of things, and then obviously they have two bonus episodes because they tell you the results. Because eventually, the Supreme Court judge they do get they do get an answer. Um, they do get delayed. Uh, they do get delayed so much to the point where like they they they, they pass the book for a while, and then they push it back to twenty twenty, and then they figure it out in twenty twenty. And if you heard about it, you know about it. And uh, maybe you don't want to listen to it anymore, but you want to go through the journey. It's ten episode podcast. It's really not that long episodes of uh, of the of the show. Um, they're about like thirty minutes each, um, so it's really kind of just I I pummeled through in I think like two days, <laughs> um, and really I could have done it in one because like, I listen to three hour fucking journeys of podcasts sometimes. Right? Yeah, yeah. You're real big into it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's uh, called this plan. And uh, right. definitely give it a go. Excellent, excellent. When you when I get the list, I'm gonna look into that one myself. Yeah, because uh, new podcasts are not exactly hard to come to, but you know everyone's picky, and you sold me on this one, I think. Um, so that's your number nine. My number eight, moving on right along here, nice steady pace here. My number eight is a game, and yes, available only on the Nintendo Switch, if I'm not mistaken, at least by Nintendo. It is Pokemon Sword. Sword. So, Sword and Shield is the latest expansion, unless there's another one already. Is there another one? All right. Uh, that I'm aware of. Okay. I hope not, because <laughs> I really wanted to be up to date for once in my life in Pokemon. Um, so, I mean, you, you and I, uh, and, some are, and a bunch of our friends, I don't know if we, you still play necessarily, but we all played Pokemon Go when it was a new thing in 2016. And it was a big deal. I mean, for, for three years, uh, it's been four years now, on our fifth year, from three years at that point, from the first three years, I was really into it, and I just finally kind of like let it go. But I've always loved Pokemon. It's uh, it's both nostalgic and it's fun. It's repetitive, busy work, but it's also fun, repetitive, busy work. Kind of like the way Farming Simulator works for a lot of people on their phones or like right. those other famous games like Candy Crush is another one. But this one has a lot more dynamics to it. There's actual story, there's actual things happening, and that makes me feel better about playing the game. I sunk in like, I don't know, like 80 hours probably, which is maybe more actually. I might be way off on that, but it's at least 80 hours. And I passed, obviously I passed everything. I did everything. I fucking didn't collect every every Pokemon. Granted, I haven't done that yet. Didn't catch them all necessarily, but it was very interesting because I've skipped the last five at least expansions. And it's something I've always wanted to get into, but I never had, you know, a 3DS or a DS or I lost my Game Boy Advance. So the last one I played was Pokemon Crystal. That's how long ago I played Pokemon. So it was a very welcoming, fresh slash nostalgic uh, game for me to play. 
and it was a lot of fun, man. They really know, they really get into the details. I got into the egg hatching, mixing thing. I got into a lot of, it was just fun. And I obviously, and it helped a lot too that uh, Lexi got involved and she got Pokemon Shield. Oh, dope. I was about to say, I was like, yeah, you can always miss out because they always make two. Right. They always make two and there's mm-hmm. some Pokemon you can't get. From, right. So we did that, right, of course. And then I joined chat groups to find people that were interested in, you know, uh, giving out these Pokemon for this book, right? You know, that kind of thing, like a real community out of it. There's so much shit out there. And I barely dipped my toe in it before I stopped playing. And at least I stopped playing. Um, it's just that, you know, after whatever many hours, as you know, it got a little, you just get a little burnt out from it. And I obviously haven't been back to it since, even though they do update it a lot with a lot of these gym battles going on, similar to Pokemon Go, but that right. are looking in, on the Switch. Um, and I want to go back to it probably eventually. But I still have it, and it's so much fun. It, it, it gave me a lot of great entertainment. Um, and Pokemon Go was just... It's such a wholesome all ages show uh, game. Sorry, um, that really works really well for any size, any age, um, from back then till now, and they still do it. They still pull it off, in my opinion. Granted, I don't know how it compares to Sun and Moon or like Gold and whatever, but for me, it's a great, great game. So yeah, Pokemon Sword, my number eight. Very nice, very nice. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna have a lot of games and stuff on ours. You don't say. Uh, yeah, my number eight is another video game, go figure, uh, that came out in, oh, shit, I just had it, and I'm fucking ruining it for the world. Um, it came out in, uh, 2018, um, that it caught everybody by storm, and that's Among Us. Um, oh. in case if you didn't know, Among Us did come out in 2018, and all it took was a couple streamers and people like of notoriety to start playing it and using it a little bit differently than how the game was meant to be played and it perfect storm of oh my god i can play with my uh i can play what's it called um do all these things and you know be like this uh all it took was a what's called pandemic for people to be home all the time playing it. <laughs> right and, it's like yeah. zoom zoom among <laughs> us got a oh, it's more. unreal unreal yeah so, uh, it's a super cool game. I mean, there's really not much to say about what the game is besides uh, an online and local party game of teamwork and betrayal. That's literally the, the tagline of the game. Uh, uh, four to ten players in space. That's that's Among Us description. Um, developed by Innersloth. I think there's like three people, and I think they won best indie game of the, for the video game awards this year. Um, even though it came out in 2018, like they said, but they didn't really get any notoriety for it, right? Uh, Mm-hmm. And they were on their way to make a part two, and then they decided to not make part two and just kind of make uh, focus on fixing this game instead. Uh, so they're just gonna add a map and do other stuff. Uh, but yeah, super cool game. Uh, I had memorable moments playing with friends, and that's what the the key thing was. I think it was playing with a private lobby that was funner, or not maybe not a fully private lobby, but mostly private sometimes also. Where it would be at work, we're all on our break because we all took breaks together at my team. And we would kind of like all play together. And it was really cool. It was really cool to do that. And we'd play like six of us. And then we'd open up the lobby to make a full 10. And we would just kind of play like that. And, you know, we wouldn't cheat. Uh, it was fun, man. It was really fun. And you just, like, you just see when, like, the, if, if what's it called? The, uh, uh, the, I can't think of, I'm thinking of Betrayer, but that's not the real name of the, uh, imposter, should I say? The imposter, uh, What's it called? Uh, if the imposter wanted it was one of us, you just like start see them laughing right away, like as they wanted, like motherfucker. And it was really cool to see that, and then also play like on Discord with other friends. It's such a cool experience. Um, 
even my kid played it. Even my wife, who uh, doesn't even play those type of games, got into it for a little bit, which is kind of crazy. Like, yeah, it's one of those, like, anybody can play it. Yes. Um, And it's super cool for parties. And I was actually kind of hoping, like, if uh, we were going to play it for our our group of friends uh, for for a Christmas party. But it didn't happen because there was just a shit ton of other things going on. Um, But that would have been... I didn't know that was... uh, I would have pushed it with you guys. Oh, no, it wasn't wasn't anything like that. I just thought about it, like, literally that day. But I was like, Uh we'll just see how it goes. I'll bring it up if if we need to push something along, you know? Um, To break the ice and stuff like that. Uh, But, yeah, I thought it was a cool game. Um, and I had loads of fun with it, and I obviously watched people on a shit ton of YouTube videos. Um, so yeah, uh, Among Us. Sorry, I keep burping, and I'm trying to like not burp in the microphone. Um, <laughs> Among Us is uh, yeah, a totally totally free game on mobile that you can play on mobile, and it's crossplay between mobile and PC. Uh, so yeah, check it out if you haven't checked it out, and if you don't want to check it out, then um, I guess you just sus. Yeah, you are. I played it very very little, definitely. Uh-huh. Um, never really got into the habit of, I'm not, not that I wanted to necessarily, if I wanted to, I would have played it, but, um, but I, yeah, people around me, co-workers, like, are you playing this game? You want to play it with me? So I did play like that with people eventually right. sometimes. <clears throat> I actually got super into it. She even got into Switch as well. So. I believe it, yeah. Oh, I forgot they made it for Switch as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's Among Us. And I did not, I really thought it was a new game in 2020. That's oh, I should, yeah, yeah. 2018. I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. All right, uh, moving on along here. My number seven is yet another game. However, it isn't Nintendo Switch based because just like Nintendo Switch, I played a lot of games. And I meant every kind of game out there. So I played PS4 games. And here we're going to get into my first PS4 game. It's called Near Automata. And I know this is uh, a little famous. You know about Near, right? Oh, you have Near Automata? That's the uh, that weird cover on the back, black and white, right? Yes, that's or right. De- Desolate, right? Yes. I, yeah, I don't know if you ever played the guy's games, because the guy's kind of famous for being a weirdo with making games. No, what, what else did he make? He, uh, by the way, the director, I'm trying to say who, who actually did it, because I'm not great with game names and stuff like that. Oh, I don't know who, is it the director that's the, the guy who makes it? Yeah, it has to be him. Yoko Taro. Um, he's okay. done, he did the original Nier, he did uh, Drakengard. All games that I hear, like, really weird things about, like he's a no. No, I, um, this game didn't really intrigue me, but I know it caught like a, a fan base real quick. That's yeah. all I know. But yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was late to the game. So this is a 2017 action role playing game. Um, not really great with RPGs, but um, definitely getting more more into them uh, over the past uh, five years or so. Anyway, and this is a sequel to the 2020 game called Near, and it's a spin off sequel of the Dragon Guard series. So again, if you know all this already, this is not news to you. I'm, it's news to me. I never played any other game. Didn't hear anything about it. I just heard this was a really good game for A, B, or C reasons. And um, here's a little bit of the plot just to show you how nutty it is. The first and second playthroughs, already weird, follow the respective views of 2B and 9S during an initial invasion. Um, by the way, Nier Automata shares their post-apocalyptic setting of Nier, and it takes place in some years later Earth-destroyed land. It's a super sci-fi thing where... Are you the villain? Yes. You're well, the villain to the aliens' eyes. So aliens at some point invaded Earth in, in this scenario. I don't know uh-huh. when, and they created all these robots to be the sentients of the world, right? So keep uh, humans away. Humans have since died, but humans created androids, and this is the main character as to be who you are. Um, they created androids to take back Earth, even though human humanity has long since died. 
and watching oh, okay. if, what's happening on Earth with all these robots that were there just to kill humans and what they're up to is very interesting. Very so you cool. could almost you could almost say we created Avengers. Yeah, yeah, you could you could say that, yes. And it has to do with resistances and factions and you know, the original Android versions of things that are attacking, you know, it's a lot of stuff like that. And there's a lot of missions, a lot of great stuff. It's open world RPG, and it's so much fun unlocking, you know, going through the motions of a video game when you're into it. But furthermore, what I found super interesting, and this is very much in the opening, because the opening is about 30 minutes long, and the opening is like a thing where, like, you can't save it. So if you fuck up, you have to start from the beginning. Um, So the game can be brutal while also switching styles. It'll be a platformer out of nowhere. And then in that same motion, when you walk into the next room, it'll turn into a hack and slash different kind of game or a, over the, or a POV bird's eye version of the game. Uh-huh. It'll switch to a mech thing. When you're in a mech now, you're flying now suddenly and you're attacking and you're suddenly like Galaga, you know, and it'll go back down to a third person, like, you know, first person RPG type game when you're oh, fighting really? hand-to-hand combat. It I just has these that. effortless switches throughout and oh. many encounters throughout the game. And I found that that opening, that opening mission where you, where you spend the first 30 minutes getting to this one point is just so, it's a great introduction of its own game. And that's what made me fall in love with it. It made me want to know what the fuck is going on and how much more fun can I have with it. And I passed um. it. And I beat it. And uh, I didn't beat it as good as uh, many other players. I only beat it once uh, because, uh, you, know, my, you know, I get burnt out on their face. So <laughs> that's yeah. what happened. I hear you. Um, but I beat it once and I'm, I'm probably curious about coming back to it. Maybe playing the second playthrough as a different character. So yeah, a lot of fun on uh, the PS4. Obviously, probably the PS5 by now too. Um, but check it out; it's near Automata, and I know the guy's making another game soon. So curious about that. All right, so that's my number seven. What is your number seven? Ah, uh, yes, my number seven is a movie. Finally, yay! Okay. Um, that I just had up, and it's because uh, I'm an idiot and I moved things. It is 1959's North by Northwest. Um, never saw it until this year, or last year. Yes, 2020. Um, and I'll read you a quick description of it. It is, uh, oh, this is Alfred Hitchcock's, of course, in case you didn't know. Uh, a New York City advertising executive goes on the run after being mistaken for a government agent by a group of foreign spies. I love how simple the premise is, yet yeah. how good the movie is. It's like he makes it intriguing and he makes it believe like the stakes are high enough for me to care, but at the same time grounded enough for the characters that I uh, that I'm still like captivated by it. And it's weird because like I people have tried to remake these all the movies that anything that um, what's his name has made Alfred Hitchcock, and I just feel like no one can do it like him. He's uh, it's just so good at this mystery thriller thing going on mm-hmm. that he's, he's got the timing done right he's got the the right stuff that needs it for the movie and it just works really well like i said it's such a simple thing that i've seen maybe 36 freaking movies do the same that all 30 other 35 failed you know and just like none of them are as good as like this simple thing and obviously i've seen some iconic scenes in this end where you have the mount rushmore thing you have the crop plane that almost kills somebody um things that references that i've never really understood before but now i understand because i get to i I haven't seen you know this movie before so this year um and like just like this level of spies also the movie came out in 59 so it's obviously like 
prime time for spy stuff going on, Cold War and shit. So, um, I mean, it works out, man. And I thought the movie was really great. And I, I, I you got to give credit to, I, I think, uh, I almost think I've been waiting like once a year just to watch a couple of Alfred Hitchcock movies to just make my discovery list because I think he always makes my discovery list. Um, uh-huh. If not, he makes a list of some sort for me. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, he does a really good job at making movies. And if you haven't seen this one for some reason, like me, because, you know, I'm kind of a stubborn guy when it comes to watching movies, uh, you should totally watch it. I totally recommend it. And it's uh, it's one of those movies that uh, you'll, I, there's no reason you wouldn't <coughs> not love it or anything like that, but for sure like it. And it's a good ride. Easy, simple, um, but entertaining enough, you know? And that's what the movie does really good. Two hours and 16 minutes of it didn't even feel like it. <laughs> yes, that's very good. You know, I haven't seen that in a, in, a, in, a, in a minute, for sure. But, man, you got it right. And so, I wish I was seeing it for the first time, let's say. So, I put it on my list, too. But, yeah, it's a great one. Um, glad you're, classing up to, you're catching up to the classics. Well, about time. Thanks. Don't about worry, time. I have another classic here. Maybe two. I, yeah. I, I look at my list real quick. I can predict maybe one of them, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, Moving along here, I have a person, a person's work, I Ooh. Say. Um, a man named, uh, so my number six is uh, Junji Ito. He is a Japanese horror mangaka, oh, uh, which is a manga artist, of course. Um, so I'm talking about manga here, and I read two of his compendiums, um, or two of his like entire, I mean, they're all manga issues, of course, but I found a complete series, like in one book kind of thing, so I read that. Um, and I read his two most popular ones, and this day he's definitely done a lot more. And the two that I read, I'm going to highlight one of them. I think I might mention it to you, maybe even on the show, because I was super excited when I read it. It's called Uzumaki, uh, which is uh, <laughs> a spiral in Japanese. I mean, spiral. Um, yeah, and, you did mention that one. Eh? Yes, I don't know if I, I don't know if I mentioned the show. That's my thing. I don't remember. Oh no, no, to me, yeah, but not to, to you, right? That's the show, right? Um, yeah, and so for example, the guy is a horror manga guy, and he is, I think, so unique and so visceral and striking in his images. I mean, I can't even imagine. Re- I'm not saying it's impossible. I'll never say that. But it's really hard to imagine an adaptation that, it, that isn't like a manga. Like, he makes you really feel it in manga style, which is um, Japanese comic book. Let's just say a graphic novel, guys, in case someone out there maybe not understanding what I'm saying. Um, and it's super intriguing. For example, Uzumaki is about a town, a seaside town, a small seaside town surrounded by mountains, kind of locked in place, so to speak, kind of like stuck there, um, that becomes obsessed with uh, the shape of a spiral, the shapes of spirals, how spirals are created. The town itself becomes obsessed? The the town itself. It starts out very minimal. So the the issues Hmm. take this episodic thing where like maybe i mean there's a, a few characters there's like two for sure two uh high school age characters who um are technically like the main characters right like during the background uh-huh. a lot of this happens or sometimes it happens to them right the incidences and the incidences happen in many different forms for example like a pottery maker becomes obsessed with uh, drawing spirals in all of his work for example and leading into like this obsessive you know dangerous eye look, you know, kind of that's their, you know, person. And another one could have, like, um, an obsession with whirlpools, right? And then, therefore, drowning himself, right? Because the spiral in a whirlpool in a water, um, it becomes, like, something like a moth to a flame, 
you know, so incidences that are really bizarre, and I'm really naming the easiest ones here, like yeah. the lowest end, become, uh, they, they take over the town, little by little, story by story, incident by incident, and it's really super creepy and very memorable, very memorable. I had dreams of spirals. Like, I kept pointing out to spirals in the street and shit all the time um, because it was just so interesting and I couldn't get it out of my head in a good way, of course, in a good horror way. So, yeah, so if you're interested, Jinji Ito, who's still alive, has made quite a bit of things. His top three are Tomie. Tomie is pretty great. It's about, like, um, a femme fatale, but it doesn't die. Think of it that way. Uzumaki and Gyo. And just to give you a little bit of something, uh -huh. he did a very popular version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in my oh, really? in 2019. And he won an Eisner, Eisner Award for that. And here's something, uh, one, little, one little tidbit fact about him. Uh, film director Guillermo del Toro cited on his official Twitter account that Ito was originally a collaborator for the video game Silent Hill, ah. of which del Toro and game designer Hideo Kojima were the main directors. However, obviously that's not the case. We know that they didn't do those. However, a year after his announcement, the project was canceled by Konami. Yeah, he's owner. But can you imagine that perfect cast of... Hideo Kojima, Del Toro, and Ito, right? Dude, Which, I mean, would have been awesome. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, that would that would have been awesome. That sounds, sounds amazing. Horrifying. Sounds horrifying. So, uh, yeah, uh, in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. In a good way. So yeah, that is my endorsement for the author and mangaka, uh, Jin, uh, Junji Ito. So check it out. That is my number six. What is your number six? Uh, yes, my number six is sticking to classic movies. What do you think it is? I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Casablanca. The White House. Yes. Yes. And for those who don't understand Spanish, um, right? 1942's The White House. A, uh, a cynical uh, expatriate American cafe owner struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and her fugitive husband escape the Nazi and the Nazis in French Morocco. Um. Never knew what this movie was about, to be honest with you, except for the famous, famous line um, in the, that Humphrey Bogart delivers that I've said many times before watching the movie for no reason, um, because I didn't understand it, but now I understand. Um, and this is starring Humphrey Bogart, uh, Ingrid Bergman, uh, and uh, Claude Rains, uh, Claude, Claude, who, Claude uh, and uh, Peter Lorre, Peter Lorre. Or yeah, Peter Lorre, yeah. yeah. Um, love those okay, guys uh, that we've seen many times in other movies. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. What, what can I say about this movie besides um, it's the hell of a drama war romance movie? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. It's perfect timing for the obviously. It's like a war movie that doesn't feel like it's a war movie, but at the same time. Right. Obviously, very impacted by the war, so it, it is a war movie for that reason, right? Um, and it's during the war, uh, and it's just it's a really cool, fast talking paced movie that I love, um, especially because Humphrey Borger's character is a New Yorker who just fucking a mile a minute he's got shit to do, and you better be catching up, keeping up with him, because um, he, uh, he he demands that, you know, quick witted and short fused. Oh my god, I mean that's a New Yorker if I ever heard one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's uh, it's really cool to watch it to watch him uh, watch him work, and uh, it's one of those movies that I 
I mean, I don't know, man. It just it just works on so many levels. It's, it's easy easy going movie, um, but at the same time, like I said, you're still invested. I can see why people still watch it to this day, thinking you know not thinking but like, knowing it's still a good movie. It still holds up. Um, yeah, it's, one, it it's it's one of those movies where you just can't like. I just feel like you can't cut it out. Like uh, to, mm-hmm. oh, what's up? Timeless. Oh, it's timeless for sure. It's crazy. It's crazy because it's a it's a black and white movie mm-hmm. that feels. I mean, I, I it's mean, like four it, stats, you know. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel it doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel and it feels. I mean, yeah, like you said, timeless is a perfect word for it. Um, so yeah, like uh, it's. I, I don't really like, what can I say about the movie besides reviewing it, and I we already kind of did, so there's no reason to do that. And if I was a better person, more more planned person, I would tell you what episode we did that on, but I'm not as planned as I was uh, that last episode that I told you all the movies that we reviewed. Right. Or okay. top ten. Um, no, I know. Um, but that being said, I, I can't really say much more than if you haven't seen it like me, because you're a stubborn guy, stop being as stubborn as I am, and go watch it. Go watch it. It's well worth it. And also, Rob mentioned it about the episode number, because yeah. we, we did review this one um, for mm-hmm. a marathon, so... We have an archives page. It's all on there. Check it for 2020. Where we separated it according to the year. I know yourself. Yep. Anyway, what, we, what else you can say? No, that's all I was going to say. Yeah, go, go watch it. Um, I'm pretty sure you can figure where the hell it is. Nice. Very good, number six. Thank you. Number five is a movie, not the last movie, mind you, but it's uh, one of the few because, again, games took over this year. Um, my number five is a movie that we reviewed, and I almost put, actually, I did for a little while, selfishly put this movie on my top ten movies of the year before I was like, let, let was let, it was uh, known to me that this movie came out in actually 2017, originally in Japan, and then uh, came out for America or in America in 2019. So I didn't make the cut for the top 10 game, uh, movies of the year. 
but it did make this cut, didn't it? So, and speaking of cuts, it's called One Cut of the Dead. Nice. One Cut of the Dead is. Here it is, much. Yes. And it's, uh, um, I'm not going to mention the original title, although I kind of want to. Camera wo tomorrow um, so maybe I butchered that. And it's written and directed by Shinshiro Ueda. Or Ueda Shinshiro. Um, and it's, uh, here's a description for it. Things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low-budget zombie film in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it should be said that it is technically a horror, horror movie. But much more than that, it is first and foremost a comedy. And it's a very weird, really well-made, exceptionally well-made for an independent movie, uh, comedy, especially when you watch the whole thing. Especially if you re-watch it, it's even funnier. So I'm going to do my best to avoid some spoilers, but I also want to hook people a little bit. So what I'll say about this is that this movie is divided into three parts. And where the first 20 minutes or so, maybe less, maybe a little more, I don't remember. It's this, this uh, you know, very indie version. Not like a great version, mind you. It's not a good one. It's not a good fella scene, you know, when he's walking through the through the thing in that five-minute long take. But the first 15 to 20 minutes or so of this movie is this long take of what's happening. This film crew's, you know, like I said in the description, they're on set or whatever. And then real zombies come from the woods surrounding this area and starts attacking the crew. And it's about survival, right? And who's going to be the last one in this in this brief 20-minute thing, the camera's following everyone around. And you notice that it's not very well made. As a matter of fact, they and some of the bad acting's in it. Some are, some are, some actors are good and some are bad. You don't know what's going on. It looks weird. It looks like a, a student film. And then the movie takes place and, and then the movie goes into its second portion out of three portions. And then from there, you start to realize the true nature of this movie and why it is just genius. So genius. This movie does everything brilliantly. Um, and hopefully that's enough to hook you because it does get way better. And as a matter of fact, it makes every bad you think what you think what's a bad decision earlier on was actually in a much better layered, awesomely funny uh, joke that they that they assembled for you. Um, and it works so well. And that's all I'll say on it because uh, I really don't want to ruin it. It is criminally underseen. I don't know how it was viewed in, in Japan, but I know in America, not many people are talking about it um, as far as I know. Right. So uh, I will hope uh, this will endorse this film further to get you, you out there to watch it. Now, I saw it on Shutter. It's still, I think, available there. But since that point, it's been available to rent and buy on VOD and stuff like that. But it's not available on any other streaming service yet. Right. But who knows? So check it out. One Cut of the Dead. And yes, it is a play on the Romero stuff like Day of the Dead, right? Yeah. yeah. Night, of the, Night of the Walking Dead, whatever those movies so yeah check it out highly recommended great comedy comedy of the year for me one cut of the dead my number five so what's your number five my number five um is a video game that i played uh, i love this company i gotta say or this company the yeah this company um quantic dreams um quantic dreams made the game that i'll tell you is detroit become human oh came out in 2018 i want to say um, mm-hmm. sounds about right. And uh, it's essentially a game where you are an android, um, who uh, in, in Detroit, obviously, because it wouldn't make sense if it was anywhere else. Uh, obviously, it's like the future, twenty thirty eight, according to the game. 
Um, and androids are everywhere that they move, speak, behave just like humans, only they serve their machines that serve humans. That's the big difference. Um, and you play three distinct androids um, that uh, you have to face their moral dilemmas, face, uh, get to see what choices you make, uh, who lives, who dies, stuff like that. Um, and it's pretty cool, man. It started, the game starts off right away as uh, you're in an, uh, your, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Negotiator. <laughs> right, right. What's it called? Uh, which I was thinking of the word, I was like, and I kept thinking of Samuel L. Jackson, and I was like, wait, where is that? Oh, Kevin Spacey. Or Kevin Spacey, yeah. But anyway. I know, his name is Taboo, but... <laughs> It's not that movie. I just forgot who else was in the movie. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> or not. Yeah, it's, uh, he's, it's not, I can't deny what he did already, you know? Like, it is. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so that's besides the point. But, uh, yeah, you start off as an android negotiator because, in the end, if the android dies, the android dies, as long as he's not killing a real human, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So you have to make all these decisions, you have to get all these context clues, and you have to basically try to save, you know, the, the, the issue that's at stake in here, and that's what you, um, uh, and it's kind of like crazy because like your decisions matter. There's branches everywhere. It tells you what you could have done, what you missed story wise or what are, uh, uh, but in the end, there is a decision that one you have to make and you have to eventually live with the decision that you made. Cause once it's made, that's it. You got to progress the story mm-hmm. and just backtrack on your decisions as many times, as much as you would like to, like in a video game scenario, but it's more like a real life kind of video game scenario um, where you have to live with those decisions. It is what it is, right? Um, so it's a really cool game, man. And uh, I found myself going through a revolution with the androids and uh, trying to free them and trying to be peaceful. But apparently, the way I spoke didn't sound too peaceful. <laughs> like. <laughs> It sounded like I wanted to start a war, and I guess I started a war. You know? Yeah, I can see you spray painting those walls and those buildings to say something negative. Yeah. So it wasn't even anything negative. It's just Fuck, like, yeah. I was more like that first big speech that he gets aired on TV or something. Mm-hmm. Right. I, oh. <sighs> rough, rough, rough. Um, that being said, it is what it is. Um, I finished. There's many. There's different endings for this type of game. I think mm-hmm. that's what Dreams does. Quantum Dreams has a bunch of games. Um, you have Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, for example. Mm-hmm. Another game. I forget the name of it though. Um, but those games are. I mean, they're just they're just fantastic. And I, I love the I love this uh, company. They make these uh, really cool narrative driven games um, that I, I feel like uh, I feel like they're complete experiences. And it's one of those experiences that I, I'm glad I I'm glad I finally went through it because uh, it was totally fun. Uh, as much as uh, what's it called? As fun as it can be to kind of like do these things, but at the same time, it I don't know, man. It it, uh, it makes you think. It makes you think different than just your normal. I'm gonna point my gun and shoot at things, you know, or whatever kind of video game that you're used to. Right. That. So, uh, I mean, I'd recommend it for anybody. Uh, it's Detroit Become Human. I'm pretty sure it's available. I, I played it on PlayStation. I think it was like, exclusive on there, but by now I'm pretty sure I think it's on the Epic Store for PC. And I think oh, okay. I played it on some other stuff. But uh, yeah, available on PS4 and Epic Store. So yeah. Awesome. Yes. I also endorse it. Uh, Detroit Become Human. Now, uh, that is your number, what is that, four or five? Oh, good question. I think we're five. Five, right, so I'm next. All right, so number four. My number four is my first and only anime, in this case, uh, for this entire list. 
And that is a show brought on to me from last year's top 10 TV shows. Uh, it is called The Rising of the Shield Hero. Ah, my number four. I'm gonna read the description here. It's a little bit. It's a. It's, it's a paragraph, but it's gonna be. It's gonna. It's gonna do wonders for you. Uh, stories of old tell the four otherworldly heroes wielding the sword, spear, bow, and shield, who defended the land from wave after wave of calamity. With the fate of the world in balance, the kingdom of Melromark Melromark summons these f- legendary figures in modern day Japan. The call is answered. And the unwitting heroes are transported to this fantasy universe. And then, you know, and it has the main character being, of course, as the title suggests, the shield hero. When the shield heroes start their journey is when the real drama of the show begins. And it's it has a lot to say about um, stereotyping. It has a lot to say about the about hatred and jealousy. The show has a lot to say about, um, well, I mean, it's like a very big version, like a big fantasy version of like a fish out of water, right? And there's that too, obviously. That's like the, when, you, when you pull from your modern day into the setting that plays like a video game, not unlike, um, what's that real famous one? Uh, Sword Art Online, not unlike that. It kind of works that way. But uh, but it's unique in that it doesn't draw, draw too much attention to that. It just has that as details while it focuses on these themes of what I just said and also focuses its themes on um, prejudice, right? And um, and what you think is the least favorite, the least, the most useless person can be the most useful as well. Um, obviously, I'm being kind of vague here, but it's a great story. It's a great story. I hope it's still ongoing. They're going to make more, right? They're going to make more, right? They're going to make more. <laughs> because... <laughs> I can't tell you. Because um, they haven't yet. I don't see uh, anything. Oh, it's on hiatus for now. I think if it comes out, I think it's going to come out in the summer or spring. Got it. Okay. Well, here's hoping. And, uh, and and throughout the way, throughout this journey, which is like not a road trip movie or anything, because they go back and forth throughout many of the, uh, much of the land that's available to them. But as you're finding out the truth of the waves, like what's happening, why are these waves happening? Why are these t- things attacking and trying to take over the world? These dark creatures, right? Saving people, the nature of saving people, all this stuff is great stuff. Um, while you're figuring this out, uh, the, the, the movie spends a lot of time being a story about uh, this man broken, hurt, definitely like cold and because he's cold he's dark um this uh slave character who i mean he bought her as a slave but actually bond together to become like inseparable and useful to each other to the point where they can't live without each other in more ways than one not just physical and combat but emotional in their personal lives and it's very 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 fun and very well made i think and the graphics are pretty stellar i think for an anime and obviously they get better usually along the way and uh, I really had so much fun watching this. I binged it in about three days. And I regretted it because I had no more to watch. So I can't wait for season two, is what I'm saying. Not the worst. Dude, this show was so good. It's such a great awesome. recommendation. Thank you again for, I think it was you, Ralph, and you and Matt who got me into it. Yeah, pretty sure, yeah. It's uh, also like way to treat somebody like a dick, right? Like uh, oh, I get so angry thinking about it. Oh. So mad, I know, me too. But at the same time, he takes it in stride, I gotta say. Yeah. Tasted as good as, I mean, better than I did. Better than I would have, I mean. Better than I would uh, Right, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I went through it last week. Uh, so, yeah, The Rising of the Shield Hero. You can find it on Crunchyroll, for example, if you have that. Otherwise, pirate it. I don't know. If you live in Japan, you've seen it probably, and you yeah. have the channel for it. So, um, <laughs> so check it out. And that is my number four. 
And we're on to your number four. Yes, yes, we are. Sorry, it's a little late on my end. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, my number four is a movie that came out in 2019. It's called The Farewell. Uh, a Chinese oh, yes. A yes. Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while left to live while, and decide to keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding together before she dies uh, to, as an excuse, basically, to see her, the whole family. Um, this is starring uh, Aquafina. Uh, uh, Xu Zhao, uh, X Mayo, according to this thing, uh, Han Lu, uh, Sima, uh, Diana Lin, and uh, so on and so forth. It's written and directed by Lulu Wang. Uh, I gotta say, I uh, I dug this movie a lot, obviously, because it's my number four, but that's besides the point. I don't really care about where the list is, it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. but regardless, um, I dug the story a lot, man. Uh, it's super cool, like culture clash, culture like just you don't you don't really see besides like ancient Chinese stuff. You don't see current stuff like that now in the traditions and stuff like that. And being able to see on that aspect of how similar and dissimilar they are to American cultures and American traditions of what we would do, like we would just probably be like, well, you're gonna fight it, fight cancer, this, this, and that, and you know, go through that or whatever the case is, and you know, maybe care, mm-hmm. maybe not. And over there, it's very traditional to like not say something. Not only that, like um, keep him in the dark, but it's almost like let them live life. You know, like let, why why uh, go through that pain and uh, of thinking of you know you're gonna die and stuff like that, and uh, you know everyone everyone grieving over it. Instead, let her live her life, right? And it's uh, yeah. super cool in my in my opinion. Um, I almost feel like if I was that old, I would feel I would want the same thing. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I almost feel like I would, just because, like, I don't know, I, I why would I want to worry about, I mean, not that I would worry, because I'd be like, dude, I'm old, like, who cares, but, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's just how I would, but at the same time, you knowing, I mean, that you might manifest actual symptoms at that point. Exactly. <laughs> that's the issue, right? So, uh, right. I mean, plus, I, what they, what, the, the movie doesn't really tell you this, but what they're really afraid of with telling her is that she might break bad and start making meth. Uh-huh. Right, you know, right. That's a real issue. <laughs> that is a real issue. No, uh, but what I think the other issue is it's just like it's it's more like uh, no one has to see her different. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to remember the last moments of that your grandma just like suffering or anything like that with chemo or with anything else. If you're trying to fight it, you know things like that. You want to just mm-hmm. see them live, and maybe she doesn't wake up one day and all right. But I had fun with her. The, time before and everything else and i enjoyed all my other stuff right uh and that's what matters like it's a big thing about family big thing about um what's it called uh just i mean i don't know it's just it's such a cool little story that i wish i saw in 2019 obviously i missed it but the fact that i saw in 2020 hey worked for my advantage for this list Um, and i get to talk about it because uh i would have definitely made my top 10 for 2019 um as good as 2019 was for a year but i just I just thought it was a really cool story that I, I recommend. I don't want to ruin anything from the from the movies for you to still watch it because it's still fairly new. Uh, for you to go see it or anybody who's listening, uh, because it's a total total watch. And uh, I uh, I just I just think it's probably on my. It's more of a personal level for me, uh, obviously because I already talked about my personal like feelings about it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I thought it was overall well done, and it's a great story. Um, I think it's a book also, and I'm debating on reading it. We'll see. Right on. 
it is. It is. I first read it as an American. Uh, what's that? Um, oh my God! Uh, uh, that American. Oh, uh, this American life. This American life story. Yeah, right. that. That's how I first heard it. That's that. I heard it also. Yeah. Yeah, years ago. Um, so when I first heard the right for this movie coming out, and I heard the premise, I'm like, oh, that sounds like that story. I wonder it, if it sounds like that story. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that too. Yep. Yep. So that's your number uh, four. That's your number four. Right. Keep it track. I'm totally professional. My number three, uh, home stretch here. My number three is a is a video game, another Nintendo Switch video game, and it's a big one. It came out in 2017, I think. Let me guess it. You can guess it. Let's see. You said it's a big one? Yeah. Is it uh, Super Mario Odyssey? Ah, no. Damn. No. But equally, equally, equally um, available only on the Switch or Nintendo products, it is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Breath of the Wild. After a century of hibernation, Link reawakens to once again save a ruined Hyrule from a great evil. And it must be said right now that um, it's easy for this one to be my favorite Zelda game because it is my only Zelda game I've played. Yeah. It is the only one. Yeah. Never played Link to the Past, never played Ocarina of Time or whatever the fuck. Um, I've seen people talk about a lot of these games throughout okay. entire life. How have I played them and you haven't? Huh? How have I played them and you haven't? I don't know, man. I mean, I got into different franchises for sure. It's not like I was a void, devoid of franchises or anything. Sure. But this is just one that I never, never really stuck to. Never caught up on. Never played the first one, obviously, like I said, uh, when I had a Game Boy or whatever. Um, so just one of those fluke things. There's a lot of those things that I, I never got a chance to really get into. So I played the latest one instead, right? And, man, this is such a fun game. Have you played it? Yeah. Uh, I haven't actually I've only yeah. played it a little bit of it. I, I don't own a Switch. My son owns a Switch. Right, your son owns it. Right. <laughs> From now on, you don't own anything. He, your son owns it. No, um, it's Switch, literally. It's his Switch. No, I know, I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's just funny. Because um, you could totally, you know, use your parents' rights to use it. Um, I, I could, but, like, he literally starts getting butthurt that I'm playing on a Switch. Right, well, no, yeah. Anyway. Totally. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. So, um... The story is, like I, the simple story I just said, it's an open world. You find out what you want to do. And there's so many ways to do it. And so many wrong ways, granted, but you basically are supposed to get strong to defeat Ganon, who is this, um, it's all kind of fantasy, but fantasy with magic, fantasy magic type stuff. So, um, I mean, I know fantasy also means magic to a lot of people, but it feels kind of alienistic a little bit, for, in my opinion, at least the evil lurking in the world and it has a lot to do with like these ancient machines also where along you know throughout the whole world peppered throughout the whole world and stockpiled everywhere um are these ancient machines and about learning the secrets of them and how what they were once used for just discovery and then used for good are not being used for evil and uh, understanding the stuff you know with stories with from the people from a lot of side quests i must have done I think I did everything. One of the few games I did everything in. I didn't get all the Koroks, though, because that's fucking crazy. I have a limit, but I got a lot of them for sure. Um, but I did everything. I got all the shrines. I got everything in there. I played it. I got all the extra Master Sword, right? I got the. Ma- I did everything. So much so, I was so well that by the time I got to the boss, it was ridiculously easy compared to other things. Yeah, but, um, go to the end right away if you wanted to. Right, but I mean, and then it just ends the story. But so what? What I really do? I just the exploration of the world, getting all the armor that I wanted, 
so much more fun. And I played, uh, and I, since I got the game so late, I was able to get all the DLC with it all in one uh, sitting. So I played the shit out of DLC. I got everything out of those fuckers. It was so much fun. <laughs> uh, it just, um, and like I said, it's open world, third person, right? Viewpoint kind of thing. And you are discovering this whole thing. And, and it has great implementations of like, of, you know, giving you excitement at a moment's notice, for example, when it comes to the blood moon, it gives you a lot of like um, mechanics throughout the game that are, you know, can be tailor made for what you want, for how the style you want to play it is at, or you can be like crazy like me and learn them all and then just employ them at will. Um, but you can be a lot of different things. You can be your own link. And I think a lot of the gameplay without telling you anything, because link doesn't talk. Um, he doesn't. Wait, yeah, he talks. It's so much fun. And it's tailor-made for... I mean, anyone can be different. And it's just so much fun that way. And furthermore, uh, there's a lot of great flashback scenes that you unlock or you figure out when you pass certain key points, right? That it's actually a really good story, really well-made. Kind of great little shorts thing. I can see a compilation in my future watching them all again because it was a lot of fun watching those as well. Um, so yeah, uh, totally, totally recommend it. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. My first Zelda game. Um, and totally worth it. I must have climbed that castle a thousand times just <laughs> looking for hidden shit all the time. It's awesome. Um, what? That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> and that's on the Switch, like I said. So check it out. My number three, Zelda. Um, Roth, you are number three. Oh, very nice. My number three is also a video game. Actually, it came out in 2017 as well. What are the mm. Um, But it has nothing to do with about Zelda. Um, it is called What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, yes. Did you play this one? No, but I know it. Uh, I have it. Okay, cool. And I, I'm going to highly recommend you to play it. Um, I'm going to tell you real quick. It's uh, What Remains of Edith Finch is a collection of strange tales about a family in Washington State. As Edith, you explore the colossal Finch house, searching for stories as she explores her family's history and tries to figure out why she's the last one in her family left alive. Uh, this is a developer, Giant Sparrow, but it's published by Annapurna Interactive, who does a bunch of like random games. Uh, but at the same time, they do a pretty good job of publishing like indie games. And for the most part, they're kind of intriguing. So whenever they publish a game, I'm always intrigued, at least, in the game. And uh, they haven't let me down so far. Uh, that being said, before I get out of this, uh, I, it's a narrative. It's all narrative-driven. There is no fighting. There is nothing like that. It's just literally all... Well, it's a walking simulator. Written, ah. It's You're just going through the motions. There's some things that you have to do in to progress it, like video game-wise, to interact. It's very interactive in that, that aspect. But for the most part, it's just a story with visuals that you go through, obviously, because you're in a video game. Um, and it's, uh, it's, I don't know what to say, man. It's, uh, all these stories about the Finch family and you go through the house and all the history of it. And it's crazy, man. It's, it's crazy how, uh, uh, it's just this, this family, how, how, uh, how much history there is and how much like everyone knows the history. Well, by everyone is she's the only one left alive as you already know. Um, but she's going through the history. Mm. Like she knows everybody's family's history, all the important people or all the, the people that have been here since they landed in the United States and the state of Washington um, and where they went through and how their, how their inevitable lives led to a death. And that's what it is. They give you the synopsis of where they ended up going. And eventually it's like a lot of people lose their mind or something like that. There's something like, it's like almost like they have a stroke of bad luck. Right. And um, you find out the whole time that um, 
what's it called? She's telling the story. There, it's nothing, nothing to break it, but she's telling the story uh, to uh, to what's it called um, to her her heir. Um, yeah. So and it's like so you're you're getting the story told in that aspect. So and it's pretty cool. You go through this house. The house is crazy because it it looks it's like a normal house where. Uh, a normal like two bedroom story house with a basement and everything, and that's in this uh, what's it called by a by a by the ocean. So it's like almost like a, almost like a lighthouse area, right? That, it's not a lighthouse, but yeah, it's weird to say that how it works that it has this. Um, they just keep they have add-ons to the house, like they'll add another floor. They added uh, like a thing to it to like. Uh, What's it called? Uh, another little area over here. They just added a staircase that made it to like a uh, what's it called? Uh, a clubhouse or whatever. And then that clubhouse has another thing that has like an observatory attached to it. They just keep adding onto it. Everyone had their own space um, in living in this house. Like everybody in the house lived there. Like all every family members, you know. So it's crazy. Um, what's it called? The family was always big at one point until it wasn't to where we leave off with Edith Finch. And it's such a cool story, man. And I, I just can't tell you enough to play this game like you're not really playing it you're just kind of going through a story it's really cool mm-hmm. um, sometimes dark sometimes very emotional um, but at the same time it's so gripping man and I, I, I fell in love with it um, I'm sad that I didn't get to play this earlier but I'm really happy that it's I got to play it overall um, it definitely affected me in just like what we want to leave behind um, thinking about me as a person and stuff like that and uh like just how how you're seen how you can like lose yourself in uh, in in just life and stuff like that uh makes you think a lot of things um and it's uh i don't know man it's for for a simple game that you could almost consider it not a game um i could have heard a book of this and i would have been like wow what a great story but right, the fact that right, it's interactive, right. the fact that it adds all these things, I think it's just um, it. Uh, they did a fantastic job. Don't go for graphics; it looks good. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it just it just hits it hits. Uh, it makes you feel so attached to it just because you're in it, you know. And I think they do a great job for that. And if you have the game, I mean, honestly, give it a shot whenever you get a chance. If you have a weekend. There's, you'll finish it in two sittings easily. You can do it in one sitting, honestly, but you two sittings for sure. Uh, and that's what it took me. It took me two sittings, and only because I had to go to sleep, like because I had work the next day. That's the only reason I didn't finish it all in one go. Hmm. Um, so super cool story. Um, I can't say more than enough of it. Uh, what remains of Edith Finch? Totally play it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Right on. That's a great one. Um, I get me off my ass and put it on because I think it's. Uh, I got it from a PS Plus month one time. Nice. I think that's how I played it too. That or I mm-hmm. on Xbox. One of the two. I can't forget. I can't remember anymore. Right, right. Awesome. Um, so onto the game train here because my number two is another game. Nice. Yes, it is a PS4 game that I actually played on the PS5, so I made the loading easier. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're okay. right. It's called Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. Mm, I heard of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I might have mentioned it. I don't know if on the show, but I did talk about it to a lot of people around me at the time. Also from 2017, by the way. So it must have been a great year for games. I'm saying, right? Go figure. Another 2017 game. That's insane to me because uh, that's three in a row, I think. 
Um, that's just not, we should just go back in time then. Um, okay. So the description here is that set in the age of Vikings, a broken Celtic warrior named Senua embarks on a haunting vision quest into Viking hell to fight for the soul of her dead lover. Damn. Pretty heavy stuff. Pretty... <laughs> that's, that's no picnic. That's oh, no, man, that's, that's nothing. You ain't lying. She literally goes to hell, but with one L though, H E L, hell. Um, Figured it would avoid it. Right, right. And uh, uh, this game is classified as an action adventure fantasy. Um, first of all, this game is the qu- a quintessential one player game. I know there's a lot of one player games all the time. Granted, yes, but this one makes you really feel like a single player. And by which I mean, the game uses, by the way, great graphics. Even for a PS4, uh, you know, 2017, you know, I mean, there's great graphics since at that point too, but like the game really uses the hell out of it really well. The game is uh, very nearly a puzzle game. There's a lot of challenges to get through. In order to get through these challenges of this underworld, let's just call it a Viking underworld, right? You, you have to traverse to save the soul of your dead lover. Um, not only do you have to fight, you know, soldiers, that are, you know, their spirits are just against your nature because you're from the south and they're from the north, northmen specifically. Um, but along the way, you have to figure out how to piece together keys to open gates and unlock doors. And the way you do that is the game is, that's where the puzzle component comes in, where like as Senua, who has this gift, this ability to hear the dead, hence how she's able to go down there by herself, uh, who can hear the dead, um, can also see through light, through hues, through darkness, through shadows, through a lot of things, can see the clues in nature or her surroundings that spells out the key she needs. It's a very interesting visual flair that the game uses to get you to pay attention to your surroundings. There's there's a lot of backgrounds and rooms or forests in this game that I think if I was a painter or a drawer, I can paint them right now because I had to look so in depth into them and, and memorize them and figure it out. Um, and it's also fun to figure it out. It can take a long time though. If you, if you, you know, especially the first few, um, but with a little patience, you know, the story is not super long necessarily, but it's uh, very interesting. And, um, and the battle scenes are just so badass and so intense. I've never felt so intense. Um, staying alive, honestly. Staying alive. That's all I had to do. At <laughs> some point, you just have to stay alive long enough to bypass it. And yes, there are bosses and things like that. The nature of gameplay is still very much like it's still the bones of the game. It just doesn't feel like it. It never feels like it. You always find things. You stumble upon things. You find bridges. You cross. You know, you don't know until you know kind of feel. Um, and the best thing about it is that this game implore- it tells you in the, in the opening screen uh, to use uh, headphones. Because to use headphones for the best sound quality. And it's true because you are listening to what Senua listens to. She's listening to voices. You're hearing the voices all the time. And they're constantly telling her to worry, back off, don't go there, run away, or go in there, please open the chest, open the chest. No, no, run away. You know, they're constantly telling you things. It kind of influences, kind of tells you a lot about the character and what she's going through at all times. That's why I feel like this this game is single player, capital S. And, um... It helps to do that. It uses binaural beats, actually, to help you feel like a person in distress at all times. 
and it helps and it uses these beats to make you feel um I don't want to say schizophrenic but not not schizophrenic you know so the game uses a lot of that and it's probably why I got in this heightened sense of panic when I was fighting all those uh, northmen along the way because it just does a really good job the the use the the game actually hired like the gaming company whoever who did, who did this again uh I forgot anyway whoever did it um they hired like these um they got these uh, sound sound experts and engineers and psychologists to try to mimic exact exactly the symptoms of a schizophrenic person. Yeah, and then use it for the gameplay. Yeah, I've been recommending this game. Okay, yes, sounds ready. Yep, and it's so insanely worth it. I bought it on uh, on a Black Friday two years ago, and it took me until twenty twenty to play it. There you go. Well, worth it. I I only yeah like the way you're saying it is like. Somebody was telling me you should uh, you should play this game and explain that whole schizophrenic thing, and I was like, "Why would I want to put headphones on <laughs> and listen to what a schizophrenic would go through <laughs> just so I could mess with my head?" <laughs> oh, dude, it's totally worth it. And I was like, "Right, but what happens if I go over if I go I guess it depends how much on the edge. If you feel like you're a stable person, this game is for you. If you feel unstable, then don't play it. I hear you." you. Know? That's basically it. Um, so that's Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. Again, it's a PS4 game. Uh, maybe it's available in other places. I do not know, but I played it on the PS5. Check it out. My number two. What is your number two, Ralph? Very nice. My number two is a mini series that came out in 2001. Uh, and hmm. that is Band of Brothers. Oh, you t- right. Yeah. Oh, so right. In the year before COVID was a big thing. Uh, and I still saw it. I, uh, I'll just give you the quick thing. Um, this is uh, the story of Easy Company of the U.S. Army 101st Airborne Division and their mission in World War II, Europe, uh, from Operation Overlord through VJ Day. Uh, uh, what's it called? Man, the cast is phenomenal. Let's just say that real quick. Yeah, right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read some off. Because really, I'm just gonna lose them. But Scott Grimes, Damien Lewis, uh, Ron Livingston, Shane Taylor, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, you have uh, Michael Cudlitz. Um, these are the ones: uh, Neil McDonough, uh, Michael hmm. Fassbender. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, Michael Fassbender's in it. Uh, what's his name? Is also in it. If you never knew. Um, Oh my god, who's that late night comedy guy? Um, uh, I don't know. Pull it off for you in a bit right now. Sorry. <laughs> There's so many Tom Hardy's in it for two episodes. Hmm. Uh, Simon Pegg's in it. Colin Hanks is in it. Because, uh, you know, Tom Hanks is the guy. Who Wait, it's like his baby, right? It really is, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Fallon's in it for one episode. That's who it was, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Okay, I never would have predicted him, probably. I know, right? Go figure it. But that being said, um, yeah, have you seen the show? So I've seen the first two episodes way back when. Okay. Never finished it. I remember really liking it. Yeah. But also, at the time, I stopped watching because I was like, oh, it's serious. I need to wait for a good day to watch the rest. And never did. Yeah. You do need to watch it. Um, and I know you like Saving Private Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Which is another Tom Hanks thing, go figure. Um, and uh, I gotta say, this is probably the best war thing I've seen. 
Um, mm. uh, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I can't give this show more praise, really. Um, it's uh, it, it feels like any other like great war movie that I've seen on crack with like just the realism. The uh, the, the brotherhood was definitely there. I would hope so because it's called Better Brothers. Mm. Um, the uh, that just it just makes you feel really like uh, a lot of things. They do a great sound. I mean, I would highly recommend you listening to this if with uh, like at least like some type of surround sound or something if you have it because it feels like goddamn really good sound. <laughs> goddamn. And then uh, just everything feels authentic. I mean, everything looks and feels authentic. I just can't tell you because I I wasn't there, but. It, the, the costume design and all the the product, uh, the, where where they are, locations, they're shot in those areas, you know, and it feels authentic. Uh, and uh, just the acting is great. Uh, I, I haven't seen morbid looks on people's faces, you know, ever. Uh, at the same time, <laughs> change to something, you know, uh, something where they're completely on edge, you know, for fighting for their lives, um, and. Uh, What's it called? The tagline for this for this this great where it's uh what is the tagline for this? I just had it up. It's uh there was a time when the world asked ordinary men to do extraordinary things, um, and that's basically what you get to see in here. And it's uh so the fact that it follows this company, so you others you'll know that you'll get a lot of recurring characters. But I mean, the, but at the same time, reality is not everybody lives. You know, uh, that's why you only have certain people for, last for certain episodes. And mm-hmm. you know, oh um. Ross from Friends is on the show also. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, but uh, he's in it as well. Yeah. Yeah, that dude. Um, yeah, he plays... David Schwimmer. Yeah, David Schwimmer. He plays the... Uh, their, uh, uh, their sergeant. He's the guy in charge of that company. Hmm. Uh, and uh, he, basically, he's the one who like trains them. He's the one who makes them the first uh, one-on-one division, being the best division out there, the airborne company. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, you never expected him to be in the show as well. And he's there a couple episodes and it's a crazy show, man. Um, I can't say anything besides like watching it, how just, uh, through the missions that they have to do, how historical it feels like, obviously the impact that they had, there's no other company and you get like tidbits at the end of every episode at the beginning of every episode. Mm -hmm. Um, historical facts and what they did and how they affected the war specifically and without them how they wouldn't have won certain things how literally like you'll see things happen throughout the show that we've seen movies they literally they'll take a snapshot of this show and make a movie about it (laughs) like and they're like well that was just one of the three months that we were here and we're going to keep moving and they have other things to do. And it's kind of crazy to watch it. And it's actually cool for that reason. Cause you get to kind of see like where movies are being taken from this, especially like through our perspective, because we've seen so many different movies, uh, parts right. from World War II. Uh, and it's, I don't know, man, it's a, it's a really great show. And I, I highly recommend it. It's on HBO. I think I saw it. It was on Amazon for a while. Because, you know, they gave away some free shows that, like, oh, this is old enough for you guys to have it. Right. Yeah. I had to finish it on HBO. I was like, what the fuck? Um, but, yeah, it yeah. was, I mean, it's a hell of a ride, I'll tell you that. And it does demand your attention. But at the same time, uh, they're about, like, hour-long episodes. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's, you can do one episode at a time. And uh, even though, like I said, it demands your attention, it still does, it, does, it doesn't, it it's so easy to give it to your attention. 
Right. Are you planning on watching the Pacific? I actually started watching the Pacific and I haven't finished it. Um, I didn't get as attached to it as I did for Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, maybe I gave it like a month after. Like I didn't want to go back to back to heavy shows. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's hard. Yeah. And then, uh, but it just didn't catch me as 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 much. And it's obviously the other way. It's the Marine aspect, and they fight the Japanese instead of fighting the Germans um, for the Pacific. But I still think Band of Brothers um, did a better job for what it was. And I know the Pacific is like doing a something something similar, but something different at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I just feel like they they knocked it out of the park. Um, it's probably if you don't see anything World War Two, like I avoid everything World War Two because they're all the same shit. Watch this, and you don't need to watch anything else. Mm. Um, that's very high praise. Yes, that's very high praise. Yeah, I mean, there's other things that I would obviously recommend you to, but if you do, really don't want to watch anything, I would say watch this for sure, and it, it pretty much encompasses everything you need to know um, for that aspect. So that cool. Band of Brothers. Wow, that's that's huge. That's your number two from HBO, The Band of Brothers. It's not the, it's just band, right? Band of yeah, brothers. it's just band of brothers, yeah. Right. They got the dub. All right. My number one, number ones. Wow. Yes, number one. My number one is another video game. Another video game. Another one that I that's meant for the PS4 that I played for the PS5, funny enough. Look at you. And it's not from 2017, though. It's from 2019, roughly. Is that from 20? Yeah, it is from. I don't know. I think, well, that's what it says up here. Anyway, so I'm just going by the internet at this time. Game released August 2019. Yep. It is obviously Control. Oh, very nice. Yes. You are Jesse Faden, a young woman with a troubled past. You become the new director of the Bureau of Control, our front line in researching and fighting against supernatural enemies like the Hiss threatening our very existence. You'll uncover the secret activities of the Bureau agents and explore the strange and shifting halls of the Bureau's headquarters called the Oldest House. Unlock new abilities with objects of power and upgrade upgrade your service weapon to take on bigger and more powerful enemies. Venture into lost sectors in the challenging expeditions mode, solve puzzles and complete quests to discover the secret of Jesse's past and the true purpose of the Bureau of Control. There's a lot more to it. But man, this game hits every single thing I've always I've I always been curious about that that involves like the supernatural or that involves like fringe science. Like the reason I watch the show Fringe, for example, or even like sci-fi, is is everything. Uh, this game kind of touches on everything. Um, and I know that's like saying a lot. That's a mouthful of information that's available, right? When you think about all the sci-fi out there, all this stuff. Uh, I'm not talking about just AI or robots or anything like that. I'm talking about like, how do you study the probability of luck? How do you, how do you, you know, how would you do a quantum thing? How would you study teleportation? What's uh, an interdimensional being like? And how do you make, how do you build a bridge to it? And how do you figure that out? I mean, this place kind of figures it out already. And then your job is to yeah. either quell it destroy it or cross through it um and it's so fascinating and the game employs like uh this heavy engine is what i heard which is a lot of was uh, problematic for the ps4 to run the game properly but again ps5 had no problems and uh, not only have no problems but it looks amazing it looks amazing and the gameplay as amazing too quick 
it, it's complicated. It's convoluted. You can definitely mix and match a lot of different, uh, you know, act, uh, actions that create all these graphics and things on the screen. And um, I managed to, you know, really enjoy every single aspect of this game. So much so that I even did the cat thing. For those who played the game before, I found all the cats hidden in the all in the in the oldest house. Found all the cats and got that extra level where I got to that one room that is just meant there to just tell you that hey, you got the impossible thing. Look at this room, and that's it. Um, but it was well worth it. It was the last thing I did actually before I stopped playing the game. And the only reason I stopped playing the game because I would have. I mean, there's nothing to do. I really did everything. Ninety nine percent did everything right. Um, but the reason I stopped is because like I I gotta play other games. There's other things out there. So, but man, I never had so much fun watching and like learning. And obviously, this is I should say this is like a spinoff or like a spiritual sequel to a hit game called Alan Wake. It is. Yeah. And I've never played Alan Wake. Um, so um, now I'm definitely curious. Now I'm a hell of curious. I'm going to find it somewhere and play it for sure in a heartbeat. Um, but there's this, uh, in the DLC for this game, there's two DLCs. One is called The Foundation, which is about what's underneath the oldest house, what's actually like holding it up, so to speak, magic-wise or spiritual-wise or otherworldly-wise, and, uh, and figuring what's going on down there with the problems. Very awesome stuff. Very long, too. Their DLCs are nice and juicy, actually. And the other one is also badass. It's about an entire floor of the oldest house that doesn't exist in the original game. Um, I forget the name of it. It's called, not containment, it's called something else. Um, and, and it involves Alan Wake, actually. It involves like, it involves like this Bureau of Control took in some, right after the events of Alan Wake, took all of the witnesses, maybe, or took all these testimonies or paperwork, objects, buildings, entire, entire things, took it, took the, 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 what remained of that game and put it into this building. And then your mission as Jesse Faden, the director of this bureau, has to figure that out and destroy what's causing this all this chaos down there. And along the way, of course, you find out all this. I mean, for Alan Wake fans, there are extra bonus right details yeah. and extra colors and extra perspective on that game. But for me, it was all new. It was just super fascinating. And made me want to play the game that I haven't played yet more all the more. So, oh my God, so much fun. Never had so much fun in a video game entire year, and I played a lot of other games. Um, but yeah, Control is my inspiration for a lot of supernatural stuff. I want to research. That is my number one. You should really play, right? You should really play it. Yes, you should really play. I have and a then, PC ad for <laughs> PlayStation. That's sadder. No, sadder. Um, and then and then stream it so I can watch you play it. Oh, there you uh, go. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I sort of got the the fucking the ashtray mage. You got you're gonna have so much fun in that maze. You're gonna yeah. have so much fun. I can see it. You're gonna giggle like a schoolgirl. It's gonna be great. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, what's your number one? My number one is a game that I think you played. It's a, a Kickstarter game that I kickstarted. That is a board game, and that is a Resident Evil Two board game. Oh. Um, okay. Did you play it with me? I think once. Anyways, uh, what can I say besides if you've never played Resident Evil 2? Uh, that is right. exactly what it is. I mean, it's not to the T, but it might as well be. Story-wise it is. Character-wise it is. Uh, it's just board game fashion. So you have miniatures, you have uh, this, the map and everything like that. And yeah. I gotta say, I have every expansion except... For, I know. Do I have every expansion? I'm missing one expansion. Um, and, man, I gotta say, it's a great, it's just such a fun game. And it took me a year to play it, even though I got it in 2019. Uh, it took me a year to play it to just 
finally sit down because it was overwhelming. It literally took up one giant box in my house because it has like eight different things in it. And but yeah. finally, when I decided to, I played it, and then I was. Just, I like, wish I played it more with you guys. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not play whatever. And then uh, I, I just feel like playing it. Uh, it was like running through it, and it was cool to just kind of coordinate with my fr- with friends and um, mm-hmm. uh, going through it. And I wish I got the wall expansion because I didn't know I want walls more than anything, but apparently I did. And, <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It. I don't know, man. It was just like this cool. I love Resident Evil too. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and the remake did a great job at that as well. Definitely. Um, so, like, this game came out like a, almost like a perfect time. Um, and it just, like, hits that nostalgia vibes. But at the same time, uh, the fact that I can play it with my friends, not just watch my friends play or watch have my friends watch me play it, it's really cool. Uh, thinking of things what to do because turns could end. And, like, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. It was just, like, really smart. Really smart gameplay overall. Uh, what's it called? Designed by uh, people who actually designed uh, the actual game. Uh, Matt Hart, Richard Loxon, uh, okay. Sherwood Matthews. Yeah, artist by mm-hmm. Thomas Lishman. And published by Steamforge Games, which Steamforge Games publishes a bunch of uh, games just like this, like third party. Like uh, they do Walking Dead ones and stuff like that, that they'll partner up with like I- existing IPs already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, they'll kind of like push the be the ones to publish it for them. So yeah, uh, I had loads of fun playing this game. Uh, and if you should get around to your local game board game shop, I would mm-hmm. highly recommend you try a session. If you ever played those games before, uh, there's a great community with, uh, I have the figures and they're all in like black and white or just kind of gray. But I have, there's a great community that like of of miniature detailing that they detail the crap out of these and the pictures of them are fantastic. I'll send you something a little bit Oscar. Yes. Of like the details do. are just like the zombies, the characters, uh the the big enemies. Oh my god. Pictures are amazing. Uh so yeah, I highly recommend this game. Uh especially if you have a group of friends and you have played the Resident Evil game. Uh you just want to go through it, kinda of get a vibe off of it. And I love in a typical game fashion uh, certain rules, you know, never fit how you think. One person reads it this way, the other person reads it that way, and uh, eventually we get a third party to read it and see what works out for both of or for all the whole party. And mm. then we turn out that you read a FAQ or something later in the actual uh, from the actual developers, and then they tell you what it is, and everybody was wrong. But it doesn't matter because you already played the game, and you're like, hey, we're already having fun. Uh, so yeah, that's my number one, the Resident Evil 2 board game. Loads of fun. Um, and Oscar, whatever you want to play, just let me know. Uh, we'll set a session down. All right. Well, we'll do. Um, yeah, I want to do it because I definitely I had so much fun uh, the one time I played it. Maybe maybe I played it twice, but I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think it was unfinished it. overall. Um, we didn't have the time to finish it. But yeah, I never would have expected a board game. Uh, that's awesome. Here's your number one. Um, and one that I recognize, too. So that's great. <laughs> Go figure. Now, um, Hello? Who are you? Doesn't matter. Welcome. You're safe with me. I'll be right here, nice and close, so I can speak without alerting the others. Let me tell you about Senua. Her story has already come to an end, but now, 
it begins anew. What's happening? It's breathing. Dead. It's breathing. It's breathing. He Why? knows. He knows she's getting closer. He can feel her coming closer. They're watching. She's getting They're watching the head. They're watching. They're watching. This is a journey deep into darkness. They're watching. They know you're here. There will be no more stories after this one. What is she doing? Why is she doing this? They're watching. Why doesn't she turn back? She's doing this for him. She wants to rescue him. He's already they dead. Feel you coming. Shh. coming. Quiet. Oh, how rude of me. I never told you of the others. You hear them too, right? They've been around ever since the tragedy. Well, that's not quite true. Some are old. Some are new, but they've... Changed. I think the darkness changed them just like it changed her. Now, um, now we get to some recent discovery. Ah, oh, discovery. Fuck me. Jesus, I'm in <laughs> so different mode. Honorable mentions. That's what I meant to say. I said that so easily. Honorable mentions. Um, for me, I'm gonna start off by saying one that I was like my number eleven. Has to be a movie that I talk about, talked about on the show. It's called uh, Tampopo, which is about the joy and the wonders of making ramen, ramen soup, uh, yeah. the old style way. And it's a great story among stories about really being a foodie, being perfect at your craft, and all this stuff. It's really great stuff. My number eleven will be Tampopo. Um, after that, I would say here are some games that I really liked, and so on, and and movies that did not make the list. One is the one you mentioned, Detroit Become Human. Uh, really close up there for me. Um, nice. I played a shit ton of Nintendo games, including Splatoon, uh, Splatoon 2. Loads of fun with that one. Uh, so is uh, the Bayonetta games, Bayonetta 1 and Bayonetta 2. Uh, Cuphead made the short list for me. Okay. I also played uh, the Mario. This year? Huh? You didn't play Cuphead till this year? Yes. That's crazy. Okay. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I played uh, the Life is Strange sequel, as well as uh, Gravity Rush 2, things like that. Um, here's some other non-games. The Farewell. Actually, I forgot about The Farewell. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I, if I remembered, it might have made my top ten, honestly. The Farewell is that good. I endorse everything Ralph said. I also saw the entire, the entire 15 seasons of Supernatural for the first time. The entire thing? The entire thing. Wow, brutal. I stopped like at 10, I think. Yeah, well, I saw the entire thing. Yes, Jeez. I saw it. I finished More it, actually, I finished it pre- pretty recently, but season 15 came out in 2020, so I don't know, whatever. But it's the entire show. Um, made it a little bit of a short list here. I saw the entire thing for the first time ever of The Office, courtesy of Lexi, yeah. uh, who absolutely adores that show. And she showed it to me. It took a while, but we did finish it. <laughs> Yeah. Took a while, but we did finish it. Another good one, another uh, a movie that we missed out for me is nineteen seventeen. I missed it in twenty nineteen, so twenty twenty is the year that it landed for me. I have that on the list too. Yeah, Overlord, which is another anime, yeah. uh, a movie called Score, not the Score, Score is from nineteen seventy four about mm-hmm. sexual awakening. Kind of, I'm just gonna say that. Uh, uh, is another one, uh, Creep Show, which is on Shutter, the first season of Creep Show. I missed it the year it came out. I was able to see it in 2020. Pretty funny, pretty good. I have a few more here, just a couple more. Uh, 
the Has Fallen series. So not Olympus, because I've seen Olympus, but the other two Has Fallen series. Obviously, it was never going to make the list, but I really like the movies, and I wanted to mention it here. And last but not least is a movie called Antrim, about the deadliest movie ever made. Really good movie. Really good movie. Really good horror movie. So what about you? What are your honorable mentions? Well, um, well 1917 is one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played the Call of Duty Modern Warfare campaign last year. Uh, it was actually oh. pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy. That was that one game that I think came out for the Vita? Or or was that really? a different game? I think yeah, it came. It was like that. It was like a standalone expansion game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Uh, and I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, except that I kept crashing my PlayStation 4. So well, oh, that's, that's besides the point. Uh, yeah. Vertigo. Saw Vertigo. I Vertigo. I was yeah. expecting that one. Were you, were you? I liked it a lot, but at the same time, yeah, um, a little over the top. But it was, <laughs> it was still okay. Go figure right. it. The Nun. It's the, the Nun that killed it. Yeah, it is really. Uh, you know, a short, short list. Almost my number 11 if you wanted to look at numbers. Uh, what if Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Oh. I had a love that movie, man. It was a great oh, movie. Wow. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. Something about it where like was like I maybe because it didn't live to expectations of what I thought the movie was going to be about. Because um, I never knew anything about the movie besides that he's in a nut house. That's about it. Uh, One Cut of the Dead, that made my list as soon as it made your list because I was like, I totally forgot that this movie. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, was it. And uh, that's all I got for you. No, that's a lot. That's plenty. That's more than plenty. All right. So, again, we hope you enjoyed the last countdown and this weird countdown that this best discoveries of 2020. Um, Next time will be a while from now. Hopefully the Oscars will be down. Hopefully political landscape will have eased off a little bit from itself and not be so dramatic, not so crazy. Hopefully something calms down out there. Um, I mean, a a world of stuff is going to happen between now and March 1st or March whenever we come back. But... um, Join us then, and we'll come back with full movie reviews as usual and start off 2021 fully rested and ready to do some... We need to, do, we need to watch our movies, basically. So, um, until then, until all the way then, I am Oscar. And I'm Ruff. Later. Arrivederci! We-